0: Good morning. Glad to be with you guys again. will not you guys go ahead and silence your cell phones if they're not already. Man, I'm excited to talk to you guys today. I, I really feel like um, the Lord is uh, is about to open up a new chapter, not just to your praise, but in your life also. And, uh, and anytime the Lord has opened up a new chapter, you have to kind of say goodbye to some things and say hello to some new things. And there's even a little bit of repentance, repentance that's usually involved because when the Holy Spirit reveals something new, the way that you used to think and the way that you used to do life, you have to kind of say goodbye to. And I remember, uh, I've been at this church for, for a while now, and it was in, in 2009, I had this um, incredible experience where I had read about being filled with the Holy Spirit in the scripture, but I just figured that, that he was just kind of doing that back then. And I didn't know that he was doing it today. And back then, uh, I, I grew up, there wasn't much, many testimonies There, like God wasn't really saying or doing anything. And you had the Bible, and you were supposed to read this and try to, to, to live a good life, and that you'd go to heaven one day. And that kind of like, in, like encapsulated the gospel for me. But when you're on a journey, how many of you guys know that the, be, the beginning, the end shouldn't look like the beginning? Right, you're, you're gonna you're gonna grow. There's gonna be some things that you're gonna run into. There's gonna be challenges, and there's gonna be some things that you learn along the way. Well, in 2009, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was such a like radical transformation. Um, I I like I fell in love with this word. I used to read this word. I fell in love with this word, and I began to believe what it said. And I, as before, I would kind of compromise on. it. I'd be like, yeah, you know, that's that's some that's a good hallmark card saying. It's like no, like he he means every sentence of it. And every sentence can happen in your life, and every sentence has an application. And it actually looks like something. And then, in the midst of being filled with the Holy Spirit, I found out that God could heal people. Now, that's that's a really hard pill to swallow, um, and I'll be the first to admit that. Because whenever you're like going to change your mind about something, like I used to believe that God didn't heal today, and and like and why? Well, because I never saw anybody get healed. And then you move to, well, God does heal today. And then when you start to see people get healed, there's almost like a grieving process that takes place because you're like, well, what about my past? And I, are you saying that I could have been praying for people that didn't get healed and, and I missed out on these opportunities? And so there's always a grieving that takes place whenever we change our minds. So there's repentance, there's a grieving, and then there's an acceptance of what the Holy Spirit is now showing you. Are you guys following me? Then I found out that like, Uh, about who I am in Christ and my identity. And I found out that like, like in the past, like it was impossible not to sin because I was like a sinner, right? And so there was a place in my life where I allowed sin to be because what was I gonna do? Live righteously? Yeah, right, only Jesus can do that. And then, like, the Holy Spirit comes and, like, he, like, no, actually, I've imputed my righteousness on you. It is available. And you don't have to choose to sin. In fact, the word sin means to miss the mark. And if you can miss the mark, guess what else you can do? You can actually hit it. And, like, I re- remember, I'll never forget, I read Romans 6, and I was reading Romans 6, and, like, the, the Holy Spirit just turned it on for me. And it's like, I'm a new creation in Christ. The the old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. That's That's in Corinthians. But... I was reading in there and it's like, well, when did I become a new creation? Is it just like how mature I am in Christ? No, at your baptism, you became a new creation in Christ. I was floored by that, but I was also kind of grieved because I was like, are you telling me I didn't have to struggle with this stuff the whole time? And like, I'm 20 years into being a Christian. I've allowed sin to be here because what was I gonna do about it? And it turns out that I, I, I could have done something about it. I didn't have to have it here. It was amazing. And then, like, you just say goodbye to these things that you used to practice, and you realize that you don't need to practice them anymore because he's empowered you to live a holy life, right? Does that mean that I don't make mistakes? No, I'm still making mistakes. I'm making fresh mistakes every day. But I'm not allowing a place. I'm not, I don't have a pen where sin sits in my life, and I tolerate it. Well, then I found out about the the power of prayer and like the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And like my internal world and how I'm doing is completely dictated by me and not outside circumstance. My time with the Lord, my devotion to the Lord, my time with the Holy Spirit dictates love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness. All that stuff, self-control, is dictated by my priorities and whether or not I'm actually seeking the Lord. And when I figured that out, guess what I started doing? Started meeting with the Lord. on on like a more regular basis. And I'm not saying I never prayed, but like, it just changed. And I stopped having excuses. I stopped complaining. And I I was just like, you know what? Like, as long as I meet with him and I make him first, it just does something on the inside. It's like, he's the bread of life. There's nothing else. Good circumstances is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And I'm going to eat of that every day. And and I was like, again, there was this grieving process where I was like, man, I could have been doing this the whole time. I could have been meeting with the Lord in such a way that I could have been satisfied. And I didn't have to seek it in other people or in circumstance or, or sin or anything like that. And I, I feel like the Lord has just revealed something to me recently that he's causing me to change my mind about. And I've been living less than I have to live. And he's kind of turned the light on. And so I'm saying this to you guys because Every time this happens, um, something happens in our church, like like going back to to being a new creation in Christ, like I'll never forget how many conversations I had with people about that, and everybody wanted to take one verse in Romans seven out of context and make that their life verse and ignore chapter one through fourteen, and I'm like, listen, that's not. The way you're taking that verse isn't isn't what it says. Like Paul didn't struggle with sin. Paul wasn't the one who was like, oh man, I just want to share the gospel with the world, but I can't. I just keep getting caught up in prostitution. That wasn't Paul, guys. He's referring to people who didn't have Christ. And like, but people were like, no, like Paul, Paul was the chief of all sinners. He was the chief of all sinners before he came to Christ. But people wanted to keep putting, just taking making a place for sin in their life. I remember I lost, like, so many people. And I just didn't care because I had found something in Scripture that was giving me life. And if it meant that people were going to leave because they disagreed, then you can leave. But I'm not going to live less than he died for so that you can feel comfortable in a place that you're not meant to live. Well, amen. But now it's about to get hard again. Are you you guys ready for that? All right. We'll see if you're saying amen at the end. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've read this verse. I'm about to read you a verse. I've probably read you guys seven times over the course of the last 19 years. And I'm going to read it again. And um, when I read this, I'll just read it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. As you hear me talking today, I'm not talking about striving hard to make good choices. I'm talking about you believing that you've received something already because of what he's done. It's a fight of faith. It's It's not a fight of the will. Do you guys hear me? It's actually changing your mind about what it is that you have in him, not trying to obtain it through your own strength. I'm in the process of changing my mind about something I found in Scripture that, I, that I've had, and I've been leaving less than. I've been grieved by it, but I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to live new. Are you guys ready? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Are you guys supposed to be partakers of the divine nature? Do you guys know what the divine nature is? If you could sum it up in one word, love. It's love. Do you know what love is biblically? It's the denial of self. It's the ability to be able to lay lay one's life down for another. Now, listen to this. Becoming a partaker of the divine nature means that you've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. To grab a hold of divine nature is to let go of something else, okay? But also for this very reason giving all diligence. Now that word diligence is a very important word to me because diligence requires humility. Humility attracts grace. So anytime that you make the choice to be diligent, you're saying yes to humility and essentially saying yes to grace. So when you apply diligence in your life, when you take, your, take what you got and you point it in, in a direction of doing all things as if you're doing them onto the Lord, you catch the attention of the Lord. And he says, pour out some of my grace on that person. They're acting in a humble way. But for you to put all diligence towards something means that you have to admit that maybe you haven't been. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, your relationship, virtue. That word virtue is also translated moral excellence. Add to your moral excellence knowledge. Now, that's interesting because those are usually the first two steps, and that's where most Christians Stop. I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm going to try to know things the Bible says. I'm going to know things the Bible says. I'm going to try to be a better person, right? But I want to read these next two things to you. And I believe this is the season that what God's inviting us into. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Self-control, the, the ability to say yes to hard things. You know what a very hard thing they did in the first century? They said yes to death. They said, well, if you don't deny Christ right now, we're going to haul you off. I'm not going to deny him. Haul me off. That is some self-control, is it not? Yep. To die for the gospel, to not think twice, to not think about your children, to not think about your marriage, but say, I will never deny Christ, to be that in control that you could walk off to death without blinking. Isn't that amazing? Self-control also causes you to be able to say no to things that shouldn't be in your life, things that are easy. Do you guys have easy things that sometimes you run to, that are just within hand's reach, that, well, this is my time, and this is what I do during my time, but they're not beneficial? And you might say, well, why are we grabbing at them? Maybe we grab at things that are easy because we're not making hard choices throughout our day. And maybe sometimes we don't like where our life is, so we want to feel better about our life, so we do easy things. Instead of consistently choosing the hard things to make ourselves feel better, let me put it this way. When you choose to do the hard things throughout your day, when you get to the end of the day, you already feel good about your day and your life because you exhibited self-control and perseverance. Does that make sense? It'll make sense in a second. The next word is godliness. That word godliness is awe or reverence. That's the root word in the Greek. And it means this, that when people see you with your moral excellence, with your knowledge, with your self-control, and your perseverance, they look at you and say, awe, whoa, who is this? Think about that for a second. Who is this that has this much self-control and this much perseverance? Who, Who is this who has this much knowledge and this much moral excellence? Who is this person who's shining so bright? Isn't that interesting? Did you know that could be you? In some cases, it is you. But what I'm telling you is that we're not trying to grow in self-control as much as we need to understand that we've been given it. It's a precious promise. Yes, it's a fruit of the spirit, right? And, and God needs to be a priority and we need to seek him first and enjoy the fruit of the spirit of self-control. But I am letting everybody in this room now know that you have reserve tanks that you haven't even tapped into in Jesus. You have ability to persevere through anything. This is what it says about love. Love endures all, bears all, believes all, hopes all, and you have that love inside of you. You, you. Everybody in this room has a gigantic tank that is completely full that they don't realize they even have because of the precious promise that he's given us so that we can become the divine nature while we're here so we can say no to the corruption of the world. Um, Tony Cooper was here last week and he was talking about deliverance and deliverance being the first sign of a believer I believe that people need delivered, but I also believe that people need to do better. Isn't that funny? When was the last time somebody told you maybe you could do a little better? Was it in grade school? There's a story about Cain and Abel. I want to read it to you. It says this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And that's interesting, because somehow Cain knew that the Lord didn't accept his offering, but he was able to see that Abel's offering was accepted. And I would like to put this forth, I'm guessing, I don't know for sure. This is a thought I had. What if after the offerings, Abel became blessed and Cain wasn't blessed? It became visibly evident that Abel was blessed. And visibly, like you could visibly see that Cain was not. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? That word, do well is a root word that is found in the word diligence. If you do diligence, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do diligence, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Isn't that interesting? So here you have Cain that's not made, that, that, If this is true, he's not making the same decisions that Abel is making. Abel is making the hard decisions. He's being diligent. He's doing what he has to do. He's probably building fences for his flock. He's probably protecting them. He's probably doing a very diligent job at being a herder. And then here you have Cain, who's not doing due diligence as a farmer. And the offering that Abel brought was probably reflective of his everyday work. And the offering that Cain brought was probably reflective of his everyday work. And the one is blessed. And the one is not. Do you think diligence matters? Do you think it matters how diligent you are? Do you think it matters these little decisions that you make throughout the day that, that are hard, but they pay off big dividends or the, the, the very easy way out? If, do you think it matters whether or not you take the narrow road or the broad road every day? If you take the broad road during the day, how do you think you're going to feel at night? Probably in a broad mood. But if you take the narrow road and you look back at your day, don't you think your countenance would be lifted up? Say, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. We really did what we set out to do today. There was this, I saw, this is a year late on this news. I just saw it this morning. I, I heard somebody say it, and I couldn't believe it. I looked it up. There's a, a, a card that was being made for people to show their doctors so that the doctor wouldn't weigh them. Do you guys go to, go to the doctors? Do you guys ever get weighed? Why do they weigh you? It's part of your yeah, it's part of your health check. Do you think that's important? Well, they're making these cards because it makes them feel bad when they get weighed, so they don't have to be weighed. Isn't that interesting? Do you think that's caring for the person? No. I want everybody, one day you will be spiritually weighed. You'll be spiritually weighed in front of the Lord. Do you think I care? It's the only thing I really care about is that one day you're going to stand in front of Him. It's not your attendance, it, it's, it's, it's none of that. It's, it's one day that you would understand that you're going to give an account for your life. And so am I. I went and got weighed. Um, the other day, and I was 35 pounds overweight, right? Is that important? Now, some of you in this room, you're like, get out of here. No way. I see, like, everyone's shocked. (laughs) And somebody in first service screamed out, get a second opinion, and I will. (laughs) But listen, but listen to me. I've never seen a fat person in their 90s. Have you? I haven't. Is it, does God, is it just their time to go? Do we want to spiritualize it? Or do decisions matter? Decisions matter, right? And we're all making decisions. And here's the good news. Are you guys ready? You have reserves that you didn't know you had. And it's not you trying hard to do better. And I don't care what you've done in your past. And I don't care, like, well, I've, I'm not a diligent person. That's like a Christian saying, I'm not a loving person. Impossible. He's the supplier of all your needs. Whatever you want, you can have in him. And it's a fight of faith. It's not a struggle of the will. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? See, I told you you guys would be like, huh. Well, what are you saying, Adam? I'm saying that this entire time you've been here on the earth, ever since you were baptized, you could be the most diligent person that's ever walked the earth because of what Christ has done and his precious promises. And he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Do you guys believe me? Whatever you want to grab a hold of that is a narrow path in this life, you can grab a hold of. Whatever's broad that you want to let go of, you can let go of. In Christ. And you can endure all things and you can bear all things. And there's nothing that you can't do in him. It's already been given to you. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Yeah, but I'm just not a diligent person. Stop. That's anti-biblical you just haven't come to the conclusion of what it is that he's given you in Christ. Just like I didn't know there was a baptism of the Spirit, just like I didn't know that there was healing, just like I didn't know that I was a new creation, and just like I didn't understand what a prayer life was, and just like I didn't understand how much discipline I actually have in him. And I'm grieved at time wasted, like I always am, but I'm ready to grab a hold of what he wants to do in me in a militant way. I'll put it this way. Do you guys know that you have freedom? Freedom. Everybody in this room has freedom, right? Do you know who doesn't have freedom? The people that fight for your freedom. There, there, are, there are soldiers on the perimeter of this country that have to give up their freedoms so that you can have yours. Isn't that cool? Because every kingdom has to have people that say no to freedom so that they can fight for the culture of that kingdom. And that's how it is in the United States. I, I know. I, I had a brother who gave up his life for the country, and he didn't. He couldn't say no to the orders that he was given, even though they were stupid, right? And he lost his life. But he gave up his life, just like so many have, so that we can still enjoy our freedom. And now God is looking for people that are going to say no to freedom. And I hate saying that in America. Trust me, it's the last thing. I love that I live here, and I love my freedoms. But he's looking for people to give up their freedom in the sense of, well, I can just do whatever I want and I'll just live however I want. He's looking for people who are going to say no to that broad life, who want to say yes to the narrow life, and say, Lord, I'm going to steward my life in such a way that I will catch the attention of heaven, and you will trust me with bigger things than what I'm currently trusted with now. And I'm willing to say no to easy things and say yes to hard things so that you can see that I can steward things well, whether that's relationships, finances, your own body, everything. Do you guys believe me? Yeah. He's not going to hand over some giant responsibility to people who can't manage what they already have. How many of you believe God wants to do more? He's, he's, not, he's not like, well, I'm just going to save it for this special time, and then I'll give it to him. He's watching what we steward and saying, if they can steward this, then they can steward that. And until we steward what we got, the plans of heaven are on hold. What God really wants to do in your county and your family and your lives and all that is on hold. And it's not on hold because he said so. It's on hold until we steward what we got. And when we prove to him that we can handle it, he'll give us more because he's a good father. Do you guys believe me? Yeah. And here's the thing, you can handle it. I'm not up here saying you need to try hard or do a better job. What I'm saying is you don't realize the tank and the reserves you have in Christ you can decide and be whatever you want to be in Christ. It's true. If it pertains to life and godliness, you already have it. Let me read this to you. A lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a person is diligence. Diligence. Proverbs holds it in high regard. Listen to this in Hebrews 12:6. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he punishes every son whom he accepts. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Can I tell you what the evidence of your salvation is? It's your growth and discipline that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the fact that you aren't the same person you were last year. It's evident that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you continue to grow into the likeness of Christ. But if you, listen to this, but if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In 1 Corinthians 10.23 says this, because some of you might be like, hey Adam, all things are permitted. I'll read this to you. All things are permitted, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. I sing a song to Canaan at night. It's called, This Little Light of Mine. Do you guys know the song? I'm going to, and he goes, that's what he does. He does what you guys just did. He goes, let it shine. And I go, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we sing back and forth like that. And And it's like, I feel like sometimes we can just take such pride in our spirituality. Meanwhile, we're not shining at all and nobody is in awe of our life. Yet we have Christ. Yet we have all these divine promises. Yet you've been given the Holy Spirit. You have a power of love. and You have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And you're gonna go to heaven one day and be with your father. And you're gonna give an account of your life. And does your life look like it? Does it bother you that someone from the world would have more diligence than you? That'd be stewarding anything better than you? Does it bother you? They don't believe they're going to give an account. They're doing it out of like selfish ambition. Do you know what Jewish people are known for? I didn't say it. (laughs) Somebody in the audience. (laughs) Yeah, prosperity. What if Christians were known for their diligence? What if people who were recruiting people actually asked the question behind closed doors? I wonder if they're a Christian. Because Christians were so known for their diligence. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. So the next time that you go to reach for something easy to try to feel better because you don't really feel that good about the choices you made that day. Ask yourself, is it beneficial? Is what I'm about to do beneficial? If it's not beneficial, understand this. Just declare the diligence and self-control that you have in the Lord. And then go do something that requires diligence and self-control. Do hard things. And the more that you do them, the more that you'll believe that you have it and the more that you believe that you have it, the more you do it. But you, everybody in this room already has it. Do you remember when I used to say this? I used to say, I don't want to stand before God one day and find out what he had for me and then come to the conclusion this is all I was trusted with. This is a huge part of it. Everybody in this room has reserves that you don't, that you probably haven't tapped into yet. And you're using your past as a barometer or a thermometer for yourself today. Meanwhile, it's the Bible. It's not your past. It's this word that declares what you have and who you are. Every single person in this room can live a more diligent life and have more self-control, can do hard things and say no to easy things. Do you believe me? Now, Brian gave me a word and he sent me a text message. Brian Connolly is is he helped me build this church. He was here for about 10 years. And uh He's, he's awesome, and he's he's known for uh, getting a prophetic word or two. And he doesn't send me prophetic. You think he'd be sending me prophetic words every day? He doesn't. Um, maybe quarterly. And he sent me a word recently. He said, "Hey, buddy, I heard this. It's it's go ahead and take a look at it." And so I looked at it, and it's, it said this as a word for praise. And it said that praise has experienced such a, just such abundance and prosperity and blessing, and that there's been a lot of fruit at praise. And he says, after the harvest comes a pruning, and sometimes pruning isn't pleasant. And he said, but it's not because praise has done something wrong; it's because you've done something right. But that there's there's a pruning coming to praise, and to just be ready for it. And I read that, and I was like, oh no, you know. <laughs> and here's 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 what I believe is going to happen um, after praying about it. I believe that you are either going to let the Holy Spirit come and prune you in this season in what I'm talking to you about today. You're either going to come out of this season a more diligent person or you're probably going to leave the church. And the reason you're going to leave the church is because you won't be able to bear what it is that I'm saying at the possibility of what you can do. And what you will go find is a church that will tell you you're fine just the way you are. That's what I believe is going to happen. And I've seen it, I saw it happen with being filled with the Holy Spirit. I saw it happen with healing. I saw it happen with identity. I saw it happen with prayer. Do you know what happened with prayer? I spoke about prayer so much, you either got a prayer life or you left. That's what happens. <laughs> and again, I'm not interested in your attendance, I'm interested in your transformation. And for those of you who can bear this transformation, I'll see you on the other side of it. For those of you who can't, it's been a privilege. I, and I mean it, you know, but I can tell you this you're not going to be the same in 90 days. You're not. You're going to find this tank that I told you about today. You're going to realize that your past is your past, it's not who you are. You're going to find out that you are a disciplined person and that you do have self control. And you're going to be amazed at what you can be in Christ in 24 hours. It's going to be awesome. So thank you guys for always making me feel like I can tell you the truth while I'm up here. But um, I'm, I'm personally excited. And at the same time, a bit grieved, a bit repentful, because I could have had this the whole time. I didn't know I had it. And uh, I'm excited for you guys. So would you please stand Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would tear out every stronghold in everyone's mind that says that they're not a disciplined person. There's any person in this room that struggles with self-control, I ask that you would just um, remove any belief in them that says, I can't do it. That's not true. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I ask that the, the verses I read today would penetrate hearts and Holy Spirit that you would start this transformation process inside of us that would turn us into who you are, that we'd continually deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you, that we wouldn't look the same. Would you help people with any grieving they have to do, Lord? And would you help us repent and follow after you fully on this narrow path? We praise you and thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you for revealing. Thank you for giving. Thank you for comforting. And thank you for the discipline that only comes from you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. I'll be over here. But bless you. Have a great Sunday.